Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, the Fast Pitch Winnipeg 2019 Showcase takes place tonight, February 28th, at the Met. We'll speak with Kate Friesen, co-facilitator for Fast Pitch, as well as the founder of The Story Source, and we'll talk about Fast Pitch and the importance of story as tonight's event is only hours away. Then, in celebration of International Women's Week, Sarasvati Productions is producing its annual cabaret of monologues. We'll speak with Artistic Director Hope McIntyre to learn more about the performances and how you can attend these performances. Then we'll learn about another of the Winnipeg Foundation's reconciliation grants when we speak with Marilyn Fair, Executive Director of the Centre for Indigenous Environmental Resources, or SEER, about their project to share multimedia content about some very important meetings between local chiefs, reeves, and mayors here in Manitoba. And last but not least, our very own Sonny Permolo went down to Grace Hill Salon on Corridon Avenue to speak with another Winnipeg impact maker. Hear what the ladies at Grace Hill are doing for our community later on in the show. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. Robert, how's this Thursday treating you? Pretty well, Nolan. How about yourself? Well, unless you're listening on Saturday on the repeat broadcast, could be a Saturday, but... As of right now, we've got Thursday. I'm doing well. Uh, it's hours away from Fast Pitch, so we're going to be heading there uh, in about four hours to get set up down at the Met. Uh, it's it's a one of my favorite events of the year because uh, I always walk away inspired. I always walk away like a little bit of adrenaline, a little bit kind of pumped up about about how awesome of a city this is because there's so many good people doing so much good work, and it's exactly what the what this show aims to shine a light on, and it's kind of embodied when people take the stage and, and, and do their fast pitches. I totally agree. And it's amazing getting to learn about so many different organizations all within the course of one evening, yeah. really. Like, um, you know, and the stories are, are so impactful. And, uh, you know, it's it's such an amazing way to get um, get a sense of many different organizations that are doing some great work here in our city. For sure. Those stories are exactly what Kate and I are going to talk about uh, in our first conversation here on the show. Kate Friesen, of course, is one of the facilitators, one of the co-trainers that uh, takes all 16 participants under their wing, her and Dave McLeod, and they kind of teach them how to hone in on their story and how to distill that down to the three-minute pitch that, uh, that, that Fast Pitch is now known for. So excited to see the top eight finalists perform tonight for the $10,000 prize at the Met tonight uh february 28th at uh the matt entertainment center as i just mentioned but yeah really excited to do that so let's just kind of kick the show off as we always do with a song so uh what have you got for us today robert we'll start things off with acker bilk and everybody's talking right here on river city 360 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by Kate Friesen. She's the founder and CEO of The Story Source, and she is also a co-trainer uh, when it, it comes to story of Fast Pitch 2019. Kate, thank you for joining us today. Really happy to be here. Thanks for coming back. You've been on the show a couple times, and it's always good to talk to you about story and about you know, people bearing their souls at fast pitch. So I guess my first question is, how has this whole year gone so far? It's a little more condensed and it's a little more intense, but uh, how has fast pitch 2019 been treating you uh, specifically? Um, I, it's, it's my third year working as co-trainer and I've, uh, I've always had an amazing teammate, Dave McLeod. And every year we go, this, this is a really special cohort. And every year we truly mean it because, because each cohort is, is really unique. Um, it was faster this year, which made it more intense and I think in some ways more exciting. Um, and for me, it's both exciting when it starts. I love the process and it's bittersweet when it's over. For sure. What's the energy like in that room when the first time everyone's meeting their coaches? There's This year there were 16 different organizations that are all vying for the $10,000 prize. What's it like when they're all coming into the room together, meeting each other, and what's that kind of buzz in the room like? Um, well, one of my favorite uh, images is seeing them all at speed networking, which we still privately call speed dating because it right. really was that way this year. There was a long table, so picture a long table, and on one side there's there's two coaches at each of the tables. And then on the other side facing them is a nonprofit leader. And they have five minutes to exchange stories and figure out whether it might be a good match. And then uh, they move over to the next spot. And the energy in that room that night was really intense um, and, and exciting because there, I, 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 could, I could hear and sort of see the ideas being exchanged back and forth. Um, and for me, and I think for all the coaches, it was like, there are 16 amazing organizations, many new discoveries, um, doing amazing work in the city. So I know it was really hard for people to choose. Then when the Paris came out, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, too. for sure. So tonight is the showcase of the top eight, the finalists that are taking, pla taking place uh, 7 p.m. tonight at the Met, 281 Donald Street, right here in Winnipeg. Um, how are you feeling about the the showcase? Are you excited for the finalists? Do you have a little bit of nerves, almost like it's your kids going out there and bearing their souls and performing for the crowd? How are you feeling? I'm t I, I always feel really nervous for everybody and excited. Um, and, and I love the way that the Winnipeg Foundation makes it a very special event. I want to dial back a little bit, though, to when all 16 At were, the semifinal? Yeah, yeah, the semifinals, which was also a really special event. Yeah. And... Um, I wanted to give um, a deep personal bow to every one of those nonprofit leaders and to all those coaches uh, because everybody put themselves on the line mm -hmm. in order to get up on stage and um, and pitch something without notes, with a timer going behind oh, you. Oh, yeah. Three, three minutes, minutes only, and then it's cut off. It's crazy. And for every coach who was invested in their nonprofit and their pitch, um, it was both amazing and there was anxiety and then there was the thrill for those who made it through and and again like that bittersweet for mm -hmm. people who didn't make it through um i think i think the reason that fast pitch is so special is because there is something really amazing at stake and what's at stake is a better winnipeg right 
and that every one of those people there who are giving their time voluntarily or who work every day in that nonprofit sector are thinking about that all the time. So when you attend and when you attend tonight, and I'm hoping other people who come have never come for the first time, you can feel that at stake. And it's something that tells us how special our city is, how committed people are, and that if there's eight people on stage, you cannot believe the amount of people who are not on that stage mm-hmm. who are also feel that way and are working hard. How, how, is, how difficult is it to um, distill that story down? You know, Because there's, like you said, so many people working day in and day out, nine to five, probably more than nine to five, um, making Winnipeg better. But how do you kind of find the stories to tell when they're on stage doing those pitches? Is that part of the coaching pro- or the part of the training process? Like, how do you really distill that down? That's really core to, to the process because most people come in and most nonprofit leaders come in and going, there's no way that I'm going to be able to tell the story of my nonprofit and um, and come up with an ask or outline a business case for what I would do with $10,000. I can't do that in three minutes. And we start with the core of story. And, um, and the great thing about story is I always say it's a heavy lifter because a story can contain details, physical details, which is really important for us to remember and think about. It can contain ideas and concepts. You can roll in a number or two. And it stays with us and it's sticky because we, we our human brains, love to hear that. We love to hear a beginning, middle, and end. We want to know what happens. So once you use a story container, um, you can actually fit a lot into it. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I have seen pitches transform from a list of 15 things that a nonprofit uh, does to a line that starts with, let me tell you about Miriam. Right. Yeah, exactly. So give me an example of maybe not this year, but in previous years of something that stood out for you as maybe the most improved or or someone someone who stood up on stage, maybe kind of like a deer in headlights, perhaps on the first night and then slowly evolved and, and and had that really strong pitch that just made your heart well up with uh, with pride there was a really amazing moment the very like three years ago uh when um when jack from the west uh west and cultural Cultural, center um did his pitch and it was like uh, it was at one of the coaching sessions when things are still a little rough and people are figuring it out and uh he started his pitch with a song and it was a nutty crazy song that these kids in the tune-in program at the West End had written. And his pitch was all about uh, the community programming that the West End did. It was great. It was a great hook. It inspired somebody else from another organization who, uh, that worked with uh, First Nation kids who were in foster homes. Okay. And I'm going to get his name. I hope, I hope it comes to me, okay. but let's just picture yeah, yeah. that. And, and uh, it, I could just see it. it sudden, suddenly a light went on in his eyes and he turned to his coaches and they shift their pitch. And he started his pitch after that with a traditional song. I remember that. From his indigenous That's right. culture. And you could have heard a penny drop in that room. Okay, I just remembered. Yep. His name was, his name is <laughs> Corey Campbell. From Project Yes, Michelin. I remember that. It was a powerful yeah. moment, right? And started, so how do you how do you encourage people to sort of um, you know lower their guards and become vulnerable and do something that they would probably never dream of doing in front of two hundred and fifty people before? How do you how do you coax that out of someone? Um, 
I have a philosophy about where a story needs to start and the story that you need to own first. And that's the story of why you serve, why you end up where you are in the first place. Because every one of those people actually made a choice to move outside of their comfort zone to be on stage. So one of the first stories we teach is the story of why of, of why I serve or why you serve. Mm -hmm. And then you connect that to the story of the organization. And what I find when you do that and then figure out which the story is that you're going to tell out when I, I find when you, I, I, what happens is people become very connected to their hearts. It doesn't mean you, you it, it's still, you've still got to have a rational case for something, but you're, you're appealing to both the head and the heart. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, it really calls out to people's authentic self. So going back to Corey, the first time I heard him pitch, it sounded like he described uh, his organization a hundred times before and it came out a little bit like a political pitch mm -hmm. and no criticism. It's like, you know, what do you do? And people are really used to doing that. And, and by using those story skills, moving into the place where if I come from where I serve and where my heart is and then begin to tell the story, it's a really authentic place and it gives people that courage to move a bit beyond their comfort zone. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like most of the conversations we have on a day-to-day -day basis are, oh, hey, what do you do? You know, like, what are, what, what are you, what business are you in? Oh, here's what I do. Here's what our business does. Here's what we sell or what, yeah. what, we, what problem we solve. But very rarely do you sit down with someone and say, why do you do what you yeah. do? And that's kind of the core of what makes someone connect with an audience, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of the first things I do is like, you start to introduce yourself from the inside out, why you do what you do how you do it, and then what you do. And it's so much more interesting. For sure. Well, I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite out of the finalists tonight, but I will ask you, what are you most looking forward to uh, at Fast Pitch 2019's showcase tonight at the Met? I think that that sense of celebrating the, the amazing work that's going on in the community. And in, in a way that... Um, a lot of these nonprofit leaders are working so many hours and, and, and they're holed away in their office or, 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 or in their community centers or out in the community intently doing the work. And now the spotlight is on them to say, um, to celebrate the work that they're, they're, they're doing. And I find the, the sense of hope in the room just rises as the night goes on because they're all calling people to action. And, you know, I hope if you come, Bring your checkbook and, and you know, you will probably be inspired to also contribute to what's going on. It speaks to the strength of the philanthropic sector that, and I can speak having attended every fast pitch for the past four years now, you walk away feeling like you want to help others. And it's just this weird, inexplicable sense of like, you know what, I'm going to do something good for someone t tomorrow or today or whatever it may be. So if you're looking for some inspiration, come on down to Fast Pitch tonight at the Met, 7 p.m. Uh, tickets are still available, but, but there aren't many left. Uh, Kate Friesen is one of the co-trainers for the Fast Pitch uh, present presenters that you're going to see tonight vying for $10,000 in three minutes. Uh, so come on down. Kate, thank you for talking to us today about story. Um, the story source is is your organization you could go to the storysource.ca for more information about that kate friesen thanks again for joining us thanks for having me thanks nolan 
and the Fast Pitch 2019 showcase is happening tonight at the Met, as we mentioned, and it's one of the most inspiring events of the year. So again, eight finalists from various nonprofits and charitable organizations all over Winnipeg will be presenting their three-minute Fast Pitch, telling you about what their organization does and vying for the $10,000 grand prize. It's a wonderful event. We definitely encourage you to come and check it out and to learn more or to purchase tickets, you can visit fastpitchwinnipeg.org. Again, the website is fastpitchwinnipeg.org. Coming up next, Sunday is the start of International Women's Week 2019, and since 2003, Sarasvati Productions has commemorated the week with a cabaret of monologues showcasing a diverse array of women's stories performed by local artists and written by Canadian playwrights. We'll speak with Sarasvati's artistic director, Hope McIntyre, after our next song, and to celebrate International Women's Week and International Women's Day, here is Helen Reddy with I Am Woman, right here on River City 360. I am woman, hear me roar, in numbers too big to ignore, and I know too much to go back and pretend, cause I've
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Hope McIntyre. She's the artistic director of Sarasvati Productions. Hope, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. First of all, tell our listeners a little bit about Sarasvati Productions and its mission of transformative theater. For those of our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with Sarasvati, what exactly does transformative theater mean, and, and how do the works presented by Sarasvati reflect that? Well, for us, it's all about the different ways that we can have an impact in our community. So using theater for social change has an impact both on how we program. So finding artists who may not be finding the support they need and allowing them to have a voice and representation. And then also with audiences who have a chance to explore and be exposed to work and issues and topics that they might not otherwise find in traditional theater and doing so in such a way that's Accessible. So some of our work is literally out in the community, outside of theaters, or working with folks who might not have ever had a chance to experience or even create art themselves. So we like to think of it as transforming artists as well as the audience and our community. That's really cool. There's really a, an impact on both sides of the spectrum and that there's real change that can come through art. Seeing topics explored in theater, in artworks, you know, that can have a really profound effect on, on audiences. Absolutely. And I think it's a much more visceral way to explore an issue. Uh, we all, of course, are exposed to a lot of news and a lot of information, and that's important. But what the arts can do is allow us to see the world through someone else's eyes and experience someone else's perspective and do it in a live fashion where you can't you can't turn away, you can't look away, and it affects, I think, people uh, profoundly. So it's not just about what it does intellectually, but how it affects you physically in the space, how it affects you emotionally, and and also just being there with another group of people. So this fact that you're there as a part of an audience means it's creating and building community just through the sheer experience of having one kind of moment in time together. International Women's Week is coming up from March 3rd to the 10th, and each year Sarasvati hosts the annual Cabaret of Monologues. Sarasvati's been producing the Cabaret since 2003. Can you speak to how it got established and, and how the event has grown over time? Absolutely. I think when we started it, uh, we were very much wanting to find a unique way to celebrate International Women's Week. And again, with our mandate of, of using theater for social change, that comes out of a desire to make sure that those who aren't always represented are being given an opportunity to have their sh stories shared. So women continue to be underrepresented in, in the arts in many industries. So we wanted to share their stories and the more the better. So the Cabaret of Monologues allows us to not just tell one story, but tell nine to 10 stories with different voices and different mediums. So over the years, it's really evolved to being pure theatrical kind of solo performer into also incorporating movement. And this year, you've got puppetry and spoken word and music. So it's, it's a great opportunity for an audience to get a real flavor of multiple stories and multiple artists all at once. There's a really diverse range, as you mentioned, from, you know, there's music to slam poetry to, to puppetry. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about a few of the, the monologues and the artists performing them and what people can expect when they go. 
Absolutely. I think what we're really excited about this year is that uh, we did a call for submissions without setting a theme or any parameters. And so we've got stuff that came from all across the country and we selected, but there were also some gaps. So we approached artists, local artists, um, one of whom is Haley Rhoda. So she's was creating this piece called Talking About Ed, which she's finally ready in her life journey to kind of explore the topic of her own disability. So she's using puppetry to do that, which is such a unique format. Uh, we also approached Wanda Wilson, who's an amazing Indigenous songwriter, musician, performer. And so she will be participating this year uh, and using her music to talk about her journey through addictions. And then Shireen Rampershand is an amazing slam poet. So her piece is incorporating poetry, language, Again, all of these in the end, even though we didn't set the theme at first, once we saw what people wanted to share and the work that we thought was strongest, it all came back to these ideas of identity. So all of the pieces are exploring what what does that mean in this day and age to come from you know, a, a history of racism or oppression or to celebrate who you are, even if that's someone who has experienced challenges or disabilities. So there's humor, there's a lot of really thought-provoking work, but it's very entertaining. And empowering as well. Absolutely. I think both for the artists and again for the audience members as they relate to these stories. And uh, it really becomes a sense of, you know, if someone else can celebrate their life experience, we should all feel proud of our own life experiences. So this year is the first year that the performances are actually traveling and going as far as as Flin Flon. Um, Tell us a little bit about the community performances that are happening in the earlier part of the week and where people might be able to see some or all of the monologues. Yeah, I think what we uh, have strove to do over the years is, again, make the work accessible. And what's great about this is that each piece is usually just a performer and a chair. (laughs) So we can literally do it anywhere. And over the years, we have taken them into correctional institutions, malls, soup kitchens. But this is the first time that uh, we're going up north, uh, as far as Flin Flon, uh, we've never actually, as a company, performed or done any work in Flin Flon. So we're really excited, not just to bring the monologues, but to start exploring how we can work together with some of those communities. So we're doing a, a double road trip for that one, because we're doing the Paw and then Flin Flon. Uh, we're also going out to Steinbach, we're going out to Gimli, and then taking it to multiple community venues here in Winnipeg. So there is opportunities to see some of the pieces throughout the week. And more exciting is also the fact that uh, we'll be doing pieces at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. So it's on their free night, uh, Wednesday, March 6th. And so literally people can come see some of the pieces in the exhibit space, which will be a very different experience. What are you hoping that audiences will take away from seeing the monologues in the cabaret? I think for us, again, it's about celebrating voices and experiences that are empowering and that people may not get to see all the time. So there's a sense of how important it is to share who we are as human beings. And I think people will be entertained by that, but also inspired by that. And we hope some of the pieces leave the audience also talking with new uh, insights into what some of people that they know or may have come across in the community have experienced and how better to understand those journeys through whether it's addictions or disabilities or even just exploring what it means in this day and age to be a woman or someone who identifies as female. And what a great way to 
hear so many diverse perspectives and a great way for people to connect as well. Absolutely. And I think over the years, that's what our audiences always say. It's like such a variety packed into one performance. So when we do the show uh, in the theater on March 9th, we have both the four o'clock and the eight o'clock performance. And so in a 90 minute span, an audience is seeing nine very different unique stories. And so we like to say it's like a smorgasbord where you'll get a little bit of everything and and when else do you get that opportunity to experience that much variety within such a short time frame? If any of our listeners would like to learn more about the Cabaret of Monologues or about any of Sarasvati's upcoming productions, where can they go to get more information? Yeah, we keep everything uh, on our website, sarasvati.ca. People can also call our office for tickets or if they want to get involved at 204-586-2236. Fantastic. So the uh, International Women's Week 2019 Cabaret of Monologues, produced by Sarasvati Productions, is happening March 9th, 4 and 8 p.m. The 8 p.m. performance has ASL interpretation as well. And uh, those are public performances at the Asper Centre for Theatre and Film at 400 Colony Street on March 9th. And then, of course, community performances are happening through the earlier part of the week. And for the full list, you can visit sarasvati.ca to learn more. Hope, is there anything else you'd like to mention about the Cabaret of Monologues before we sign off? I would just say that we're so appreciative of the support we get from the community, from the Winnipeg Foundation, from our funders. This type of work, I think we sometimes forget that we can't do it without community support. So it's exciting for us that we have all these partners on board to help us make this work happen. I've been speaking with Hope McIntyre, the Artistic Director of Sarasvati Productions. Hope, thank you again for speaking with me today about the Cabaret of Monologues. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, we're going to learn more about another of the Winnipeg Foundation's reconciliation grants. This week, we're going to learn about the Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources, also known as SEER, and its project to share multimedia content about meetings involving local chiefs, reeves, and mayors in Manitoba. Marilyn Fair, who is the executive director of SEER, is going to join us to chat via telephone after the break. But first, here's a little bit of Benny Goodman with Blue Skies, right here on RC360.
Welcome back to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell. I'm here with Robert Zirk. And recently I was able to speak with Marilyn Fair. She's the executive director of the Center for Indigenous Environmental Resources, also known as SEER. Here on the show, we're covering the organizations that applied for and received grants from the Winnipeg Foundation through the new Reconciliation Granting Program. And SEER was one of the organizations included that received one of those grants. I asked Marilyn Fair about their project and the project actually aims to bring together different chiefs, reeves, and mayors from all over Manitoba. There's over 25 different communities to connect, uh, and they're brought together to build build connections and work together towards a better Manitoba for all. Our project is uh, basically a two-year project where we're trying to build what we are calling a collaborative governance table. Mm-hmm. Now, what that is is just a new a new way of indigenous government and on the ground uh, municipal governments to work together um, and so what we've done is we've brought together all the leaders so it's the political decision makers those people who are elected to make decisions we've brought them together so there's 25 leaders and we brought them together to um, go through a process of reconciliation in essence we realized that for for people given our history given the fact that these leaders have never been in the same room together in 150 years we've wow. never had the meetings like this of indigenous and non-indigenous governments yeah that we have to go through a process of getting to know each other um and so we have i my organization is the organization that's convening this and our our partners are the Winnipeg Metropolitan Region, so that's Winnipeg and all of the surrounding municipalities, plus Southern Chiefs Organization, so 10 chiefs out of that organization, those ones that have land interests in the Winnipeg Metropolitan Region area. Gotcha. And, yeah, we're moving them through this process, and that process gets to the end of its very first stage, uh, March 1st. That's wow. where our final, our final meeting of four meetings happens. And so then we move on to a whole other stage of work um, starting, you know, April. But what the Winnipeg Foundation is funding, what we're getting the resources from the foundation from, to communicate all of this to Winnipeggers, to the mm, citizens, gotcha. all, through the, all through the territory. Okay, and we're doing cool. it by, by video, by uh, website, by social media platforms, and as Marilyn said, this is the first time that all of these groups will be in the same room together, essentially in 150 years. And it's an, an, an important group of meetings that needs to be captured and shared with the general public. She remarked on how reconciliation is not an easy process and a project of this scope and scale is no exception. There have been some absolutely startling conversations mm-hmm. about people being honest about what they thought was the case what they had heard, right. what they what they believed other people thought. and the, But they're also learning a lot about themselves, too, because, right. for example, in our second meeting, uh, it was about um, breaking down some of those barriers and, and clearing up some misinformation on both sides. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the chief said they learned stuff about their own jurisdictions that they weren't aware of, and municipalities, the same thing. I think one thing that they both realized is, wow, we actually have a lot of authority and power right. to make huge, huge change if we want to do this together. They don't have to wait for 
other levels of government to do that, that they could proceed with some fascinating uh, projects together based on the authorities they have, and, and they didn't all know that. Like, they For didn't sure. realize that the sky's the limit on some of the stuff they could do together. Yeah. I asked Marilyn if anything about these meetings between the chiefs and mayors and, and Reeves surprised her during this entire process. What I was surprised by was the mayors really, really wanting to understand um, Indigenous protocols and mm. spirituality and oh, cool. how, how they make decisions. And in so many ways, the, the mayors have said, wow, I wish we could do things I wish we did stuff more like that. Like, it makes so much sense to oh, us. Oh, that's the way awesome. You, yeah, and I was surprised to see that because, you know, you, you, you don't, yeah, I mean, they really wanted to learn more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and same with the First Nations, kind of understanding they had a, a number of ideas about what municipalities could and couldn't do, what their right. powers were, and they were... I was I was surprised the openness and the willingness that First Nations have to to partnering with municipalities that really meaningfully want to partner. Like they, I think I was surprised that both sides actually really want to make this happen. They just don't know sure. how. So there have so far been four meetings up to this point, and I asked Marilyn what were what were the plans moving forward from here over the next two years of this project. Well, you know, we've started. We've done yeah. four meetings. And we're going to have another, uh, hopefully, another four over the next two years. But the first four, you know, things could have gone really sideways at any point in the first four because we were talking about deep, painful issues of history and, you know, and and stuff like that. Now we're doing the rubber hits the road phase where we're... Time to get to work. Exactly. And so it'll be a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of... So exactly what would a partnership document look like? And what is a project that we could, and who's going to put up the money? And nice. how are we going to, and who's, yeah. who's going to benefit? And so we've got a different set of challenges potentially coming up in the next one. But yeah. I have I have faith that the, the strength of the relationship so far is enough to, to have people be willing to work through those difficult conversations For sure. and compromise, compromise and find stuff that, that can meet, you know, our motto is, there, there can't be any losers. Everybody has yep. to win through this. We have to find the solution that allows the whole region yep. to see benefits. Thank you so much to Marilyn Farrell, Executive Director at SEER, for taking the time to talk to me about their reconciliation grant and their project that's happening over the next two years. As Marilyn mentioned, SEER will be telling the story of these meetings and their outcomes with Winnipeg and the surrounding territories using video, different social media platforms, and even podcasting. So stay tuned to River City 360 in future episodes to learn more about this project and many others that are going to be helping to make reconciliation a reality for Winnipeg and for Manitoba. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, it's the most recent in our series of Winnipeg Impact Makers. And this week, RC360 Sunny Primolo visits Grace Hill Salon on Corridan Avenue to learn more about how they're giving back. But first, here's Russ Morgan with With the Wind and the Rain in Your Hair, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo. As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. And today I'm with Samboon Jun, who is the founder of Grace Hill Salon on 784 Corden Avenue. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. The reason why we're here today is I recently found out about giving back with Grace. Can you tell us what exactly that is? So if you're going through a hardship or something like that, whether it's struggling with cancer or you know someone who's taking care of somebody or if it could just be like a single mom of, you know, just everyone's going through something. So you can write in to us and one stylist per month, we will pick... um, person to get a little makeover for hair and makeup and then a little photography as well. That's really cool. So what gave you the idea to do something like this? You know what? We've been so fortunate. We actually, um, this was our first year that we gave back. We raised 10 Christmas hampers. We actually raised 12 um, and we just loved it so much that we were able to do something for our community so we just figured why don't we just try and do that throughout the year as well so now we're doing this so it goes every month with every stylist before we get back to the giving back with grace you mentioned the hampers and those hampers went to earcom if i'm correct correct yeah can you tell me a little bit of um your experience with earcom and why earcom um you know what my client michelle told me about them and It just struck close to home for me because I was a refugee. I was in a camp for two years. So we immigrated here when I was six years old. And I just remember getting Christmas hampers and it really helped out my parents. We have a family of like five kids. So any little bit goes a long way. So I just wanted to give back. And it was so nice to go there and see all the kids and how happy they were in one room and just getting presents and just or even just getting some food too, right? Absolutely. And it's great that different organizations like Grace Hill Salon are giving back to the community. And it kind of brings that tie in of like, you know, personal reasons as to why people do these great things. Uh, Like I mentioned, uh, Winnipeg is one of the most giving communities in Canada. And that this just shows exactly why. So back to giving back with Grace, how can people actually put their name in? You know what you can send an email so you can nominate yourself or somebody that you know you can do it as many times as you want to Um, just giving us a little bit of a story so we can read everybody's story and then this month we will pick out of all the stylists who goes first and then we'll pick the person the nominee just on who relates the best to somebody else I know like I've been reading some of the stories and everybody's stories are just It's incredible how many people are going through things and if we could just make a little bit of a difference in their lives in that moment, that would be great. I know sometimes I come to work and I'm like in tears because I've like read some emails. So, yeah. Is there a certain date that people can expect to hear who is going to be getting this gift? Yes. You know what? On the first of the month, we will announce who gets it. So for March, it's already March. March 1st, we will be announcing the first um, nominee. And then the photo shoot and the hair happens, hair and makeup happens on the last Monday of the month. What an amazing way to make a person feel amazing because you know, people do deserve that. 
They definitely do. And yeah, you just never know who's going through something, right? Exactly. So again, thank you, Samboon, for coming on today's show. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to add about Grace Hill Salon or uh, giving back with Grace? You know what? We just appreciate you guys sharing your stories with us. It means a lot. We're hoping that we can make your day wonderful or just part of your month or whatever happens. But yeah, the girls are great here. They're sweet. Come on in. Even if you're in the neighborhood, swing by. And yeah, just write us in an email. We'd love to hear from you guys. It is info at gracehillsalon.com. Thanks to Samboon Jun and the entire Grace Hill Salon team for sharing Giving Back with Grace. If you or anyone you know is making an impact in our city, reach out and call 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. This is Sunny Promolo for River City 360. Thanks, Sunny. Now, if you or someone you know is making an impact through local business, we want to highlight their work on the show. Give us a call and tell us about them. Our listener line is open 24-7, so you can call 204-944-9474, extension 360, and just tell us about the Winnipeg impact maker in your community. Is someone helping out a charity or just donating their time or energy to make Winnipeg or your community a better place? Again, that number, 204-944-9474. And then just type extension 360. We've got time for some more music before we say goodbye today, so here's a little bit of Frank Mills with the happy song right here on RC360.
Frank Mills with Happy Song here on River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we've got time for one last song before we say goodbye. So here are those guys with In the Still of the Night, right here on River City 360. Precious love
That's a wrap on this week's episode of RC360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us as well. If you'd like to hear more River City 360, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to the podcast, you can do so at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we always love to hear your feedback about the show. If you'd like to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, or just say hello, give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Our line is open 24-7, so just leave us a message again. That is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at WPGFDN on Twitter, or just search the Winnipeg Foundation on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening to the show today, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Rock on with your bad Rock the bus. Rock on with your bad Rock the bus. Rock on with your bad